Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Record Celtic Podcast. My name is Daniel Cott and today I'm joined by Michael Gannon. Michael, how are you? I'm good, mate. Yeah, thank you very much. We're, we're now in the, the International Week Wilderness, <laughs> uh, which is either great, fun or torture, depending on how you view it. Right. Um, Sometimes both. <laughs> I was going to say, I know it's your favourite favorite time of the year. Um, we're also joined today by Matthew Fulton. Matthew, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, I feel like it's a bit of a wilderness, to be honest. But um, after the, the chaos of Sunday's game, I'm ready for a wee break. Hmm. Well, it's funny that you should bring up Sunday's game. Um, well, there was a couple of big games on Sunday, but obviously we're here to, to talk about Celtic. They get, managed to get an imperative, crucial win against Aberdeen. Uh, Michael, I think after the Bayer Leverkusen thrashing, um, I think it was non-negotiable that Celtic won that game. Yeah, I think the whole thing was, was, was I must say, a must-win. But you look at the, the away record, the, the kind of top grin to the game, but I mean, not one away from home in the league since since Valentine's Day. Um, the kind of the, the doubters were starting to become greater number, weren't they? Leverkusen again turned into a bit of doing, and I don't think Celtic, a, a good Celtic team, full strength might have struggled to cope with them anyway so that was the scoreline again made it worse as well so there was a lot of pressure on that game um, I think we, I think we finally saw a different side to them a wee bit I think the question was always can they grind out results um, in difficult places and it's a concern that I've, I've raised in this podcast a few times that I think going into the winter I think it might be a struggle for them but it, that's, that's, that was a big test and they came through it Aberdeen had their own problems and have got their own problems just now so you've got to take that into account as well Um I think Celtic played quite well first half, not so great second half, but they managed to get a result, which is something they haven't done this season is play poorly and get a, get a result. They played well and got results, played badly and not get results. Here they did a bit of both and they got a result, so that's a step in the right direction, I think. Aye. Um, Matthew, as, as Michael kind of uh, alluded to there, obviously the first away win Celtic in the, the Premiership since Valentine's Day, which is mad to even say out loud it's, that it's been that long. Um, they got the win and that's all that really mattered at the end of the day but when you look at that Aberdeen goal and the fact that they, they still didn't manage to keep a clean sheet still not quite perfect for Celtic there's still definitely some issues there Yeah, definitely at the moment I don't think the defence and the and the keepers a, a finished article you know, Joe Hart has done very well I would say since he's come in I think we've all been pretty impressed by his shot-stopping abilities which I would argue we've missed in the last few years. Craig Gordon was a good keeper for Celtic for an extended period of time, but was he a great shot stopper in the big kind of European games? Possibly not, but we have seen that from Joe Hart this season. I think the, you know, the goal that Aberdeen scored is just a bit of a kerfuffle, really. You know, young, young, young Montgomery's mistimed his header. It's, uh, but for me, I, I would have liked to have seen Joe Hart come out and just claim him, you know, just come out and just smash the ball. You, if you take your defender out, it doesn't matter. At least it doesn't end up in the back of the net. 
So that was just a wee bit of miscommunication, I think. But in terms of the result, you know, we've seen Celtic struggle at Pitodre a lot, even under Brendan Rodgers and even when we were playing very well under Neil Lennon as well. It's always a difficult place to go. I mean, I remember we had a very similar game where Christopher Ayer scored the winner a couple of years ago. So it's always going to be a difficult game up there. But I think the international breaks come round at the right time because the away wins now secured. You know, he's, he's got them. You know, he's got that monkey off his back, if you like. And hopefully, when it comes round to Motherwell, it should be a case of just um, going again from from at least third or fourth gear. He looks, Michael, uh, the manager that is. He looks as though he's kind of settled, maybe on a. A certain half pairing. It looks like um, it will be Cam- Cameron Carter-Vickers and one other. But it, it now looks like you know Carol Starfelt has sort of maybe nailed down. He started the last two games. Steve Welsh has found himself on the bench. Would would that be your pick? Do you think that's fair enough, or is it a bit harsh on Welsh? I think I think Welsh is, is one is one that's for the present and for the future. So I don't think there's any concerns about Steve Welsh. I think I think long term he'll be he'll be fine. He's still only a young lad, twenty one. I think he is uh, at the moment. Um, Stafford was coming for a four and a half million pound you'd expect him to play um, yeah, that's true uh, you would do I mean, international for, for Sweden um, he's a funny one Carl Starfield, isn't he I, I think he's he's kind of I think he's unfairly kind of been scapegoated at times um, but when you make mistakes you're going to get you're going to get criticised and he has made mistakes and some of them have been quite costly um, there's other times I think he's played quite well I thought he played quite well at the weekend Um Again, he throws in wee bits and mock wee bits and bobs at times that, uh, that that causes problems. And he's been quite harshly punished at times for these kind of things. Um, but I think he'll be all right. I mean, I think he's, he's taking a bit of time to settle down. Um, I, I, would, so I think he's been actually better than, than, than some of the kind of um, response he's had. I think he's, he's actually a better player than some people make out. But I do think he has to kind of screw the head a bit and run a consistent form without making these kind of, kind of daft errors. Um because it, 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 it's half, you're, the best centre half are the guys you don't notice. The guys you don't you don't really you don't really see with their work really. I mean, you can't everyone can't be a, a Virgil Van Dyke like a like strong a bit like a Rolls Royce, but you need to be kind of quietly like, about your business and mopping up things and all that stuff. And and you still need to stop losing goals and set pieces like they still they still seem to do. They have done for, for the last two years. Another every corner kick you think this could be in the back of the net again Sunday it happened. Um, but I think I think with a run of games, I think Carter Vickers also hadn't played much football. I think he played eighty-five minutes or something like that for for Spurs in Europe and got injured. Um, that's all he played for. He keeps himself. He's not put a lot of games. He's thrown right into the mix. So it's going to take them time to get a partnership. Seven and a half. You can't just throw them together and hope for the best. They need time. And they haven't really had that. So I, I, you've got to give them a bit of slack. Um, but I think I think he'll want to put these two together and say, right, there's a run of games. Get us a partnership, um, and, and let's see how it goes. Um, but I think there's a makings there. I say the jury, you've got to say the jury's still out on the both of them because yeah. both moments when you think, oh, that's, that's a bit ropey, that. Um, but that might just be because of lack of football and time to settle and not as much chance. Um, they also, I think you've got to cut Celtic centre half a bit of slack as well because they don't get a lot of protection. Yeah. When you look at um, a lot of the time, you get your full backs. Up, 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 the, especially up the flanks, but they're up the far park somewhere. Rather than <laughs> the flanks, but up there somewhere, they're not there, and you don't really have even the holding midfield player kind of a sitting. There's not really a sitter as such because it's been a kind of a three in there, and they've all been kind of attack minded. There's not, there's not really that kind of. When you, in years you went back by going by, maybe being two guys sitting in there, definitely one at least. Not really had that protection. 
Um, so I, 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 feel, I think it's a hard job being a Celtic centre half these days. I must admit, you expect it to be a ball player, a ball winner, and you've not really got much protection. So it's a pretty scary job, I think. It's a full story for me, but. I must say that you, you touched on the next point I wanted to raise. Um, just in regards to Celtic style of play, that uh, the fullbacks, I don't know what you thought as well, Matthew, that um, it really stood out to me in the Bayer Leverkusen game, this inverted fullbacks that Postal Cogga likes to play. I think it's for Bayer Leverkusen's second goal, I think, and it was Ralston was caught playing at centre mid. Yeah. It, was, it was sort of bizarre to watch, but. I mean, I, I think it's admirable that Postacoglu wants to stick to his, his kind of principles, but surely there comes a time where he has to kind of, you know, I suppose do what he did at the weekend, just really grind out the three points. Yeah, absolutely. And I think of, of, his, of his system, which we're all kind of starting to, to get to know a little bit better now, um, and I don't think anybody can deny that the attacking side of the game has been much, much improved from last season. I agree with you a little bit in the sense that I think the fullbacks is the one thing that we kind of quite haven't worked out yet. Um, I think Anthony, Anthony Ralston's done very, very well this season, um, given where he was as a Celtic player maybe two, even three years ago. He really was not quoted, and I don't think anybody would have wanted him near the first team at that time, but I think he's done really well. I, I only Greg Taylor, which I know we'll discuss later on, that's one of the areas of the pitch where I would say players of that quality aren't quite understanding the embedded role. I don't think they're really quite getting to grips with it. And yeah, against Bayer Leverkusen, it was perhaps a bit naive because, you know, they just absolutely ripped the Celtic defence to shreds. Um, had Celtic have been playing a more stringent back four, would it have been any different? I probably don't think so. I think Leverkusen were a quality side. I think it was probably going to be three or four anyway, if I'm honest. Um, but no, I think... That'll take time for the for the young fullbacks, especially like some Montgomery, who I thought played really, really well on Sunday despite his mistake, but he makes up for it by a great assist. So I think that'll take time. I think that's what the one part of the game that Postacoglu will be thinking, we really need to brush up on that. And, you know, we're already talking about fullbacks potentially coming in in January as well. So I think he's he's got options there. If if that's the, the one part of the game that's not quite working, then I, I don't think it's too bad. I think he would rather Celtic were scoring goals and keeping clean sheets than if the fullbacks say weren't too adventurous. I think that's not a big problem to have. You mentioned obviously Greg Taylor. Let's let's talk about it now then. Um, Michael, news today in the record that um, Taylor is set to get a wage rise and a new long-term contract, it looks like, at Celtic. I'll be honest, he's never quite, you know, without being harsh or, or having a go at him or whatever, he's never quite fully persuaded me that he's the long-term solution for Celtic at left-back. I mean, is that harsh, do you think? A wee bit. I, mean, I think I think he's he struggles because he's he's following the footsteps of a pretty a pretty decent left back at Celtic and uh, Keon Tierney. Um I mean one of, the, one of the best talents produced in Scotland in a generation, to be honest with you. Um so he suffers from not being not Keon Tierney, but I don't think you can hold that against him. I think I think I think the player is worth he's worth keeping around. I think he's he's rarely let Celtic down. Um uh, he, Listen, it's difficult for him. He came from a command team and his job is different than it is at Celtic. He's asked to go and do these jobs that are, that are, um, it's far more complex and more attack minded than we do at command. But I think he's done pretty well. He's never let, he's never let the side down, that's for sure. Um, and and they've seen this year as well with injuries and all that stuff. You're going to need these guys around. Is he going to be the first choice left back the next five years? I would, I would doubt it. Um, but he's still only 23, I think, Greg. 
Um, put a lot of games for, for his age. Um, I know he's not, it's not a young man as such, but he's, he's still a young, youngish kind of player. Um, so I definitely think he's, he's worth to have around. But um, I mean, he could give you 15, 20 games. He's maybe play a full season. Maybe he'll grow into a role even more. I think back to your, your, your talking about the inverted fullbacks. I don't think that helps these guys. That's that roll up. Listen, I've banged on it before. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of it. I think you're asking guys to do a job that they've never done in their careers. If you're a fullback, you spend your entire life from ten years old facing forward and and overlapping, and you're always going forward or run back. You're on. You're up and down that that flank. As soon as you bring a guy into the middle of the park. I mean, literally, they're taking balls sometimes, like we saw the other week with, with Tony Ralston. He's getting the ball on the halfway line, 20 yards in from the touchline, but with his back to the goal in front of him, the attack, uh, with the attacking. You're asking these guys to take a ball on his feet, turn, make a pass. That's what, that's that whole point. You're overloading that midfield, get the ball on your feet, turn, make a pass, and you're up through the, through the, uh, through the lines. That's a skill these guys have never been taught before. <laughs> I mean, you're, unless you're Joshua Kimmich, it's, a, it's not a skill that you've ever had to use that often. If you're a fullback, even training, you're hugging the touchline and get up the, up the line, uh, overlapping your, your winger and all that stuff. So it's a, it's a whole new skill for a wingback or a fullback to learn. Take the ball at your feet, look up, sense what's around you, turn and make a pass. There's a reason why number 10 is playing number 10, because he can do that all the time. They have done it all the time. But you're asking a fullback to a number 10, Good luck. I mean, I mean <laughs> can do it. Man City's guys can do it, but they're a hundred million pounds worth of talent. So I think it's you you've got to cut you guys a bit of slack because it's a very it's asking them to to perform tasks that maybe way ahead of their skill level. I think they've done pretty well at it, to be honest with you. When it works, it's worked a treat. Um but it's not worked. I think it looks stodgy as well. I, I, I saw it at Livingston and the two fullbacks are really, really narrow at Livingston, and you're thinking they're narrow in the pitch, it's already narrow. At Livingston, and, and you could see because Livingston had their two banks, and there were so many bodies, and, and nobody could move. You think that's when you really need people to stay wide and, and stretch rather than condense and look for you look, you look to break lines that aren't even there because when there's that many bodies, there aren't any lines; they're just bodies everywhere. So I think that's something that, that needs to be looked at. They don't do it all the time, by the way. They don't do they don't invert their fullbacks all the time. They do it occasionally during the game, and it does does kind of it's kind of fluid the way they do it. Sometimes overlap as well, so it's not all the time. Just that when they do it. It has to be the right time because they have been caught out by doing it a few times. I think that's it's, it's not helped Greg and it's, it's not helped uh, Tony Ralston. But again, I think the two have done pretty well at times this season. I think Greg Taylor's been a, a miss. Um, he's one of these guys that you maybe don't realise until he's not in the team, um, especially because they've not really got a left back. <laughs> so you're going to miss you're going to miss your only left back if he's not in the team. <laughs> I was going to mention it. Obviously, I was at the the Leverkusen game last week. Um, and obviously it was Adam Montgomery who, who started at left-back. Um, and if you'd said, Matthew, to a lot of Celtic fans, you know, a few months ago, you know, you'd be starting against one of the best teams in the Bundesliga with Ralston and Montgomery as your full-backs and they'll be playing sort of inverted, a thing they've never done before. A lot of Celtic fans wouldn't have believed you. Um, we have bought tickets. But to be fair, like you said, Michael, I think they've, they've actually done, over overall, they've actually coped pretty well with it. You know, overall, when you put it the way you just did, you know, it's a skill they've never been asked to do before. Doing it against maybe not one of the best teams in Europe, but one of the best teams in the Bundesliga. Um, I mean, doing it against teams in the, the Scottish Premiership will be, will be hard enough. Um, so I, I do have a bit of sympathy for, for people like Ralston Montgomery who are still really young and kind of thrown in majorly at the deep end. 
I think Montgomery's a talent. I think he'll, I think he'll make a grade. I think he's a good lad. I think he's. Um, I like him more in an attacking sense. I think he's good going forward. I think he's. I think he's more a wing back um, than a full back. I don't know. Um, a modern wing back. These guys. That's the way they play now, isn't it? They're not. They're not particularly uh, pigeonholed anymore. But you know, I think he's. I think he's got a bit about him. Um, I think he's maybe been thrust into the position quicker than we thought uh, this year because of um, necessity. But I think he is a, a talent who will go on and do well. I think. We obviously saw that um, Cairo um, scored against Aberdeen, should have scored at least once or twice against Leverkusen, but didn't find the back of the net. Uh, he's now got eight goals in 13 games, Matthew, which is, for a new player coming in, is an amazing record. Um, yeah. The only concern that I would have from a Celtic point of view is, are Celtic too, too reliant on Kyogo already? He's taken at the team, it seems there's a bit of a void. Yeah, I think at the moment that would be a fair point to make. You know, when when the news came through that he injured, he got injured on international duty. It was it was a real downer, and I think because you know we haven't really seen Giacomaikis yet, we don't really know about his fitness. I mean, I'm just saying he's he's potentially ready to go. He's we've seen brief cameos of him recently, but we definitely do not have the have the depth in that kind of centre forward role. So if Kyogo was to go down with another injury or God forbid, go on a poor run of form, which he hasn't been doing. Maybe, you know, Celtic's forward kind of thinking players would really, really struggle. And I think that the reliance is definitely there, but I would argue the reliance is also there on Jota and Abad at the moment because, you know, James Forrest is not available either. As of yet, we don't really know much about the timeline there. And, you know, Jota is by far Celtic's only real option on that left-hand side as well. So there's an over-reliance for me in the entire attack, not necessarily Kyogo, but I mean, in terms of of my lifetime watching Celtic, I've a player hasn't excited me as much as Kyogo does in years, literally years. I, I could maybe say Scott Sinclair maybe initially came in. It was quite an exciting kind of prospect. Obviously Nakamura back in the day, that was another really exciting player. But for me, he's probably the most you know, excitable player that I've seen in years watching Celtic. So the reliance is there, yeah. But I, I mean, I think, you know, Ange obviously has a good relationship with him. Um, I think he could really commit himself to Celtic for years to come. I, really, I don't see him, you know, saying, I don't see him being tempted by the, the lure of a Premier League offer or maybe even a championship offer. I could see him genuinely wanting to play for Celtic for years. So yeah, we're relying on him a bit, but you're hoping that he's going to stay and he's going to become a bit of a legend. So I think he's he's well on his way to doing that. Michael, you must have been impressed with Kyogo over the last couple of months. Yeah, but I'm, a, I'm an old cynic, so I, I think it's too early to be to be um, to be making uh, rash statements. Like, I, I, my only concern is that he's, he's already played, I think, thirty odd games in Japan this year. Um, actually, getting injured a month out might not have been the worst thing for him at that time because his, his season's basically up he's played his 40 games for the year um, so I think it, it's going to be hard for him to go through it to win, the winter, winter shutdown is going to be key for him as well because it's going to be a, a long season and a half for him um, so when listen, I hate, I hate getting into the old kind of Scottish world cliches but it does get hard in Scotland through November December the weather stinks the pitches start cutting up you're playing against teams who are battle hardened and know how to make it really tough your Livingston's St Johnson's I mean, I mean these places are difficult. Like we went to Petrodge at the weekend, so they were. Um, so it's going. It's going to be a harder spell. I think it's nice when the, part, the pitches are nice and slick and all that stuff. And it's quick and it's, it's and the weather's okay. 
Um, but when he's, got, when he's starting to play 50 odd games and then he's going to a, a, a Tuesday night in Dingwall or something like that, it's not that easy. It's, and listen, and, and several players through the years have found that, that kind of difficult as well, um, especially kind of your, your flair players. Um, like, he, like he is somebody who's, who's realising his movement, and his speed. Um, that's that's difficult. Um, I say it's all can do it. I wet choose the night stoke. I hate it. I hate that kind of chat. But there's a there's a, there's a, there's a kind of element of truth to it as well because I've been to these games. I've seen them a them. They kind of stinky midweek horrendous weather jobs, and you need to go and get in there and get out. It's going to be a long hard season for him. Uh, if he can stay fit, he'll be a key man. That's for sure. Because he is, as, as Matthew said, he's exciting. It gets pure off their, off their seats and all that stuff, but it's going to be a hard shift for him because he is relied on, and he's going to relied on for a lot more, a lot more games to come. Matthew, I thought that was dead. You know, it was nice shifting in passions. It will be around for years, and you know, uh, you know, he's, he's you know, really most exciting player I've seen. For anyone listening, this is your Celtic podcast debut, so don't worry, Michael and I will beat that out of you over the next few podcasts. Yeah. Listen, listen, we usually get, we get sutty here, pouring cold water and everything, everybody says, so it's, uh, I've got to sit in the, the kind of sutty role today and be kind of sceptical. Got a kind of Dr. Doom, the kind of grumpy, the grumpy man. I think, he's, I think he'd be proud of you, Michael. I think he'd definitely be proud of how you've filled the role today. I, I doubt it. No one is sutty, I doubt it. A <laughs> um, couple of other stories that, that have done really well on, on the Daily Record website um, over the last week or so. Uh, one revolves around Robbie Brady. There's been a couple of stories in the paper on the website. Um, he's been linked again with Celtic. He's, he's actually, he's only 29. He's, still, he's a free agent. And I read quotes the other day from um, Neil Warnock, the Middlesbrough manager, who was having a go at his agent. And I think he might have alluded to the fact that Celtic were interested. Is he the kind of player that would still do a job for Celtic? He's always been a really... I thought a really good player in the past in the Premier League, really good left foot. I mean, is he the kind of player that could prove to be a cheap, kind of ready-made option? I don't know how cheap he'd be right enough. I don't know. What, I don't know if, um, if cheap is the right right phrase. I think he's um, a guy who spent his entire career. Premier League. Um, I think he would probably still view himself as a Premier League player. Um, strange how he's how he's now found himself out of work, isn't it? It's weird, then. I mean, he played a lot of games last year for for, um, for Burnley, and, and, and he was still in Ireland, obviously. Um, so it's a strange one. It's one of guys seem to have slipped through the net a wee bit. I don't know if he maybe had options and was holding out for something a bit better, and it never happened for him. Uh, I think that's what you mentioned the kind of Warnock factor. That it sounds like he's maybe demands were too high, or he's got some better offers in the pipeline. But he's, he's free to sign for him he wants now. So um, I'm not entirely sure. I think he's he's, he's optionally limited now because he's not been playing. So he's, he's been kind of stuck at limbo. If Celtic could go and get him, it looks like a no-brainer. I mean, it's, it just looks like a, 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 if they can go and get him, um, I wouldn't see why they wouldn't. It's, a, it's an available player and a role they need to fill. Um, my only thought is that he might be holding out for, for something. I mean, he's 29, he's in his peak. This is, this is kind of maybe just slightly over his peak. No, not really, but he's only 29. So um, if they can go and get him, yeah. But it, it might be an expensive gamble because, because unfortunately, the, the, the going rate now for a pretty bog standard fullback in England at that level, it's probably about forty grand a week. Yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, look, Shane Duffy came up last year. Shane Duffy wasn't on much less than that, or maybe even more than that. Um, and obviously, Shane experienced himself. It wasn't particularly pleasant the way it worked out. Um, 
So it just shows you the kind of level that these guys are at. Um, even the championship now in England, I mean, the, the wage bills down there, easily comparable with Celtic's wage bill. Yeah. Um, probably, I would say Celtic's wage bill is probably maybe mid-table in championship now. Um, so they're a, a tough market for that kind of level of player. But he's still got a job, which is bizarre really, isn't it? Um, it's easy, eh? Wouldn't have to ask, that's for sure. I, I mean, that's why I brought it up. It, obviously, it's performed well on the website. There's been a lot of people viewing it. Obviously, it's something that, that you know, you would read into it then, Matthew, that Celtic fans would be quite keen to see him come. Um, and I think I think, I think you're right, mate. It's, it's, almost, it's almost as though you feel like you don't know the full story because it seems so strange. It seems like just such a no-brainer. Celtic will be made aware that he's available at some point. Mm-hmm. But it may be that Celtic now have... have, have Used up their, their pot of dough for this window, mm-hmm. and they'll need to wait and reassess it in January, um, because they have they have brought in a lot of new players, um, right up to the end of the window. So it might be that the, a phone call was made. What's the kind of dosh you was looking for? Right, well, we'll get back to you. Phone call is. I mean, that, that wouldn't surprise me either. We'll keep your number on the Rolodex. <laughs> the uh, no, I, I do think it's a strange one, though, the fact that he's got no club, but I suppose time will tell what, how it all pans out. Um, as we've said, it's obviously international week, um, but when Celtic come back, they are, as uh, you said earlier on the podcast, Matthew, they're at Fur Park, I think, first of all, in the league uh, on Saturday the 16th um, against Motherwell. That'll be a tricky game. I mean, yeah. Motherwell will be in a bit up and down, but that, I've been impressed by that uh, Kevin Van Veen for Motherwell. I think he looks like a good player. And I think it's always tricky going there. Again, yeah, tough place to go. Um, I think when you look at, you know, obviously before Sunday, everyone was champing about having not won an away game. And then you actually deep dive into, well, what what were those three away games? Ibrox, Tynecastle and Livingston. Possibly the three hardest, I would argue, in the league to go to. Um, And Motherwell, I would put in that same bracket. It's always a... Always a tight game. Um, they're always really, really up for it. But I think that's why the international break has come at the right time. Um, I think, you know, Ange and the team can take a bit of a breath from Sunday and say, right, OK, we've, we've got that hoodoo over and done with now. It's time to go to Motherwell and get a result. And I think for Celtic, you know, this is, a you know, Michael said, you know, the winter is, is a tough time in Scottish football, not just with the conditions, but also with the games. You know, you're playing in the Europa League. You're potentially playing in a cup final. You're playing in the league. You know, the Scottish Cup begins at the end of January. So there's so many fixtures in such a short period of time. And you are one day away from home on a Wednesday night and then you're back at Parkhead on a Saturday. It's constant movement. You're away in Europe the week later. So I think for Ange and the team, this point in the season is absolutely crucial. Um, If Celtic can go and win convincingly against Motherwell on Saturday, that's a good start. Got to go and beat Fernes Varos in the Europa League, of course, if there's any chance of that campaign surviving. And then, you know, you're looking at Hibs at the end of the month away from home as well. And I, th- I believe it's St. Johnson at home before that. So those are all of those games are absolutely winnable. And that's that's the way the team's got to go into it. They've got to look at it and say, we need to start picking up a really good run of points, especially on the road. Um, because... For all people have said about Rangers, they have actually done that this season. They have grinded out results and Celtic need to get back to that. They need to get back to going to these tough-to-go places and just getting a result, whether it's 2-1, 3-1, 1-0, doesn't matter. Just points on the board is, is what's absolutely key, especially at this point in the season. I think, as, as Matthew kind of says, Michael, there's no let-up in Scottish football, you know. 
Celtic now fighting on it'll be four fronts come January and, and it's you know every game is bigger than the last that, listen, that's the challenge and that's that's the concern that I've got with the Celtic squad because I mean they've gone they've gone nine games and three wins in nine in the last the last block of games, which isn't good enough. Uh, I know there's been two European games in there, but still it's not that's that's not a run that they, they can afford to make. And that's in October when they get some injuries. That's gonna be the case all season. There's gonna be periods when they're, they're men down, they're, they're without four or five players. And the squad's just a bit light. I mean I, I, the midfield I think is is Really light. I mean, you've mentioned the, the reliance on um, Yota and Abada. I think the middle of the park is even more reliance. I mean, we saw at the weekend um, near Beton coming back in and Rogic take a day off. Um, but Celtic have been relying on McGregor, Rogic and Turnbull as the midfield three pretty much most of the season. McGregor is injured and the team kind of falls to bits a wee bit. Mm-hmm. He's missing. Um, James McCarthy still had to prove fitness-wise I think the more he plays, the, the, the better it will be. Um, uh, not not the same kind of player as McGregor, though. Different kind of player. Um, a sorrow in there. Jury's still out with the sorrow. I think he'll be able to play some weeks um, and do a decent enough job. He's still young, but I'm not sure. Then the more advanced position, Turnbull and Rogic. It's a lot in their shoulders, really, because the, Rogic in particular hasn't played a full season for as long as I can remember, and he's going to have to play week in week out. Um, and he's playing the week before. Um, kind of game actually. But he looked, he looked like a man that was quite tired at that point in time. Rogic, he looked at like a guy that had a run of games. Um, that he, he was starting to get a bit, a bit kind of, um, a bit kind of weary. Um, it was the injury throw, was it in the cup game? He looked a bit weary. Yeah. But he's not used to it. He's not used to playing that that kind of frequency yeah. of games. He's a kind of in and out kind of guy. The best times. Even during his best seasons with uh, under under uh, Brendan Rodgers, he may not have played every week. He was maybe an impact player some some weeks, start some rest of the next. He's not he's not had he's had his problems fitness wise. He's got a lot on his shoulders. David Turnbull as well got a lot on his shoulders to play week in week out. But once they got, those guys are injured, I don't see where the, the cover is really. Is that five guys for three roles to last the whole season? So uh, this next period, they need to keep guys fit. They need to get some momentum, and it, as, as as Matthew said, they need to put a run of results together. They need to put around wins together, not results. They put around wins together. Yeah. They haven't done that yet. The, the, the six in the bounce in August, September against a lot of kind of teams that you expect to to beat, really. And I take Altman out of that one, but I'm talking domestically. Yeah. Um, we're playing a lot. We played five in the Rope Parkhead, won them all convincingly. We scored a lot of goals. Got the expectation up slightly falsely. Um, this next period is more of a kind of mixed bag. There's some games at Parkhead expect to be quite comfortable. Other games like. Matthew said Easter Road's a big test um, so we'll find out pretty shortly I think we're certainly going to be um, this is the period last year when it all went completely wrong for Celtic they had injuries a tough run of fixtures a hectic fixture list and it all went to pot for them so this is going to be they need to get through they need to survive this period without that kind of that kind of spell because they great that period on the back of three wins and nine I think Celtic went two and twelve at that period and end up with folk in the car park protesting. Um, it's different this time because I think people understand the manager has had to start from scratch and it's a long way back. So I think he'll get a bit more patience, but he needs to get through the next six, seven, eight weeks and still be in touch in the league. They need to be up in the sixth position in the league now. They need to be up there on, on Rangers' coattails and they need to be slightly better off than they are in Europe just now um, because obviously the first two games have been disappointing. I think what other matters is we can be in agreement that it won't be boring. I think it certainly won't be 
um, short of talking points. Um, I think though for today, that, that brings us to the end of today's Record Celtic podcast. Matthew, making your debut. Thanks very much. It was a pleasure. Aye, thank you. I, I hope to, hope to come on again and give my um, slightly uh, optimistic uh, insights. <laughs> and Michael, it's always a pleasure spending my lunchtime with you. Uh, thanks, thanks for joining us.